so glad you've joined us on the ERLC podcast to explore how the Bible addresses important cultural issues pertaining to life, religious liberty, marriage and family, and human dignity, and how we can walk in wisdom for God's glory and for the flourishing of our neighbors. If you're enjoying this podcast and find it helpful, please leave a review wherever you listen. This will help more people find and benefit from what we're learning together. We are grateful for the time you take to join us for these conversations. Welcome to the ERLC podcast. As we've mentioned, Trillia Newbell will be hosting a special series beginning next week. Here's a sneak peek at what you can expect. We are called by God and saved by God through Christ. Then we should want to know God. And how are we going to know Him except through knowing His Word? You just focus on the goal. What are we trying to do? What are we trying to accomplish? What is our mission? And we trust each other. We've been put together to do this. When we spend so much time only emphasizing certain gift sets for women, then what you do is you leave all of the women who are equipped in other ways to say either I'm not gifted or I'm not really a woman. Letting women know that I'm willing to listen to questions and concerns you have is powerful and encouraging. There is no such thing as a follower of Christ who does not have a contribution to make to the kingdom of God. Hi, I'm Trillian Newbell, and I'm excited to announce our series, Better Together. The series captures our desire to partner together as men and women in the church and beyond to advance the kingdom with mutual support and care. Better Together will address a wide range of topics from sexual abuse, leadership, women in work, women's ministry, and so much more. Our goal is to inform and equip listeners on matters most important to women in the areas of church, home, and work. Marriage, parenting, and discipleship. What could be difficult or confusing about these topics? In today's society, the answer is a lot. At our national conference, Todd Wagner discussed marriage and parenting and how being intentional with discipleship within these relationships can bring great joy. Let's listen to his message now. They've asked me to speak for the next few minutes about marriage and parenting and discipleship, which frankly is not a necessary tag to put on the end. Because when you have a a biblical view of marriage and parenting, you are going to make a disciple. It is impossible to be committed to God's view of marriage and parenting and not be committed to disciple making. It's also impossible to be committed to disciple making and not be committed as a parent to your spouse. I have a young man that I had spent some time with and poured into that decided to not be faithful to his wife in marriage. And he said to me as he was breaking the marital covenant that he made, he said, let me just tell you something though, I'm gonna be the best dad to my son that the world has ever seen. There will never be a better dad than me. You watch the way I love my son. And he has been faithful in spending time with his son. He's been faithful in doing all that he can to speak truth into his son's life. But let me tell you something, it is impossible to be a godly discipler of a son or daughter and not be committed to your spouse. Now that doesn't mean that your spouse has to be necessarily committed to you. 
It's possible to be a single parent and be a godly discipler. But God's model is that mom and dad, physically present, would be the ones that pour into the child. Barbara Bush, when she was um, first lady of the United States, kind of made her cause the, the literacy of children. And so she was famous for saying that the home is the child's first school, the parent is the child's first teacher, and reading is the child's first subject. The Bible says that the home is the child's first church. The parent is the child's first pastors. And the Bible ought to be the child's first subject. When the church that you come from is a compromised church that's not committed to the covenants and the truth that they have preached about for a long time, it significantly wounds a child. When the pastor that they first trusted in is unfaithful to the congregation and unfaithful to those that they worked with, it is wounding to the child. God's program for discipleship is the home. In fact, the church is made up of a bunch of domestic churches because the family is really a domestic church. You're not going to have a gathering of healthy churches, which is what a larger community of believers that gather together are. If you have a bunch of unhealthy domestic churches, when they gather together, you're going to have an unhealthy church. Marriage and love for one another and commitment to kids is central to the gospel mandate to be disciple makers. In fact, the Bible, in, uh, at the very end of the Old Testament, when it talks about the chaos that is there, it basically points to the problem, not being in the nation. The problem is that the nation is not made up of healthy domestic churches. The very last words of your Old Testament are familiar to all of us. They come in Malachi chapter 4, verse 6. It says, I will restore the domestic church. I'll make the domestic church what it should be. And when the domestic church is what it should be, guess what? Then the gathering of the church will be what it should be. And when the church is what it should be, you're going to have a healthy nation. In fact, there's three things, three institutions that God gives us that are uh, central to a thriving and healthy community of people. Number one, there is uh, the family, which is to train and to educate. We'll talk about that in just a moment. Secondly, there's the church, which is to remind and rebuke and to restore. And then government, which is to prosecute evil and praise those who do right. If you have a breakdown in any one of those three things, and especially when the government, like the church, is the government of the people, by the people, for the people, and the people are not filled with a moral fiber and a sense of right and wrong that they should be, the government is going to be chaotic. See also America 2018. And in both cases, a dysfunctional domestic church and a dysfunctional government, the problem is the church. The problem is when we don't do what it is that God's called us to do. And so I just want to take just a second. We're talking about discipleship, which should happen primarily in the context of a covenant relationship with a mother and a father, with every single human that is introduced to earth. God's program would be that there would be a present priest who would model unconditional love, servant leadership, who, as the scripture says in Deuteronomy 6, you know, four and following that would teach that there is one God and he is kind and he is good. He should teach that it's the blessing of the Lord that makes rich and he adds no sorrow to it. And he is to teach and she alongside of him, the wife, is to teach diligently to the sons and daughters and talk to them when they sit down about what should be their first subject, the character and the nature and the goodness of God. 
and to model that love. We all have heard endless messages and illustrations about what happens to children whose fathers are not there and present, whose mother and father have talked about a covenant-loving God and don't model that covenant-loving God. Uh, Mom and dad who have said that God's way is good and right and true and then don't walk in the way that is good and right and true. It's tough when your very first church is a compromised church. It's tough when your very first pastor is unfaithful and they mock the very first subject that they were to teach you. The scripture says at the end of uh, Malachi that the problem with the nation is going to be fixed. It's going to be healed. And the problem with the nation is that they were not in love with that which God said they should be in love with, not just one another, but specifically at the present parent in the home needs to have their hearts restored. It says, I will restore the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of children's to the father. And when that happens and you have a father whose heart is right with God and walking with God, it removes the curse from the land. Marriage and parenting is discipleship. You don't have to talk about marriage and parenting and then discipleship. Marriage and parenting is discipleship. And if you are not committed to discipleship in marriage and parenting, then you're not committed to being married the way that God has called you to be or parenting the way that God has called you to parent. So let me just give you a few just very simple things that I do because people ask me a lot. They go, Todd, what, what have you done? What do you do? I'm a dad of six kids, um, and I have loved nothing more than being a father. I couldn't be the father that I need to be if I did not have a completer who loved me and spurred me on and helped me be the man that I said that I wanted to be. And as I've loved my wife and as we have been committed to each other, together we have been in an 18-year discipleship program with six kids. I've got one who's just 14 years into it, but we are committed to this together. And someone said, Todd, well, just give me, give me just some simple Ideas. What, what do I need to do if I'm going to be an effective person who disciples my family? Let me just give them to you real quick. You ready? Here's what I always tell people. I'll just give them to you, and then we'll go through. We'll break them down. We don't have much time. And so the very first thing I say is you got to have a plan. Seneca, the, the great Roman philosopher, said this. If you don't know what harbor you're going to, you won't know what wind to catch to get you there. So you've got to have a plan. It's amazing. We have a plan for our career. We've got a plan for our fitness. We've got a plan for almost everything in our life, but it's amazing how many people never really have a plan for what they want to do with their children. I have six kids. I've told you, I've got three boys. I've got three daughters. I see the scripture says that one of the things that, that he wants me to do is to raise them. I'm not raising my sons to be godly wives. I'm not raising my daughters to be godly men. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 16, 13, it says, be on the alert, stand firm in the faith, act like men. And so one of my jobs with my sons is to go, let me tell you what a man is. If you ever want to create silence in a room, you just ask a bunch of men, what's a godly man? And I go, my kids, my boys are not going to struggle when it comes to what a godly man is. If you Google godly man, the very first thing that will show up is what I have taught my sons makes a godly man. If you Google godly woman, the very first thing that will show up are the five things that I taught my daughters how to be a godly woman and what they are. They're a little different and they're a little the same because they're equal in dignity and value, but they are not the same. God made them male and female. And there are certain things that men are called to do and women are called to do, and they're broken out right there. So just have a plan. Sit down, start simply and simply start. Think through what it is that you want to accomplish. Uh, Tim Hawkins 
you know, who is a friend, and many of you all know, you know, Tim Hawkins said, I knew that I was failing as a parent when I told my son to behave like a man, and he scratched himself and laid down and took a nap. Paul says, uh, the things you have heard and seen, learned and received in me, practice these things, and the peace of God will be with you. Proverbs 13, 20 says, uh, the companion of fools will suffer harm. Let me just tell you, the dad is the child's first pastor. The home, the marriage, is the child's first church. And it matters deeply what kind of elder you have. It's why the church, universal, or the church local, that is part of the universal church, says the very first requirement before somebody shepherds other people is to make sure that they themselves are somebody that does well in their own home. If they don't care for their own home well, how are they gonna care for everybody else well? It's why when he talked to the universal church, he said, make sure your home church is doing it correctly before you go change the world. Let's start in Jerusalem, and then we'll hit Judea, and then we'll go to Samaria, and then we'll go to the outermost parts of the world. Secondly, be present. One of my favorite little parenting quips is just simply this, must be present to win. It doesn't really matter what success you are in the world. No man will ever rise above the opinion of his children. The legacy that you're gonna live in business or sport or hobby or giving doesn't ever approach the significance of the legacy that you're gonna live in being present with your child must be present to win. People ask me sometimes, Todd, what is more important, quality time or quantity time? Do you get that question? And I always say the same thing. I go, it's, it's, it's quality time and lots of it. That's the answer. Must be present to win. Thirdly, I tell folks, be a parent. Your kids don't need friends. You're not running for homecoming queen that you didn't get when you were in high school. Your job is to be a father. Your job is to be a mother, not a friend. Our God is our father. What a friend we have for sure in Jesus, the song says. And Jesus is a great friend. He gives his life for his people, but he is strong. And he is God, mighty God, eternal father. And he is a good one. And so he's a prince of peace. And he's a wonderful counselor. He's not a chum. He's not a buddy. And you shouldn't be either. Have a plan. Be present, be a parent, and passionately pursue Christ. The most significant thing that you can do for your kids is be radically in love with Jesus. And have fun when you do it. I was my, my 14-year-old who is still in that discipleship program <laughs> 24-7 with me. We were riding out here, and I just simply said to him, I go, hey man, tell me this. You know, I'm gonna talk a little bit about marriage and and, and parenting and, and, and specifically discipleship. You know, what have your mom and I done that you love? And you know what he said? He goes, I love the way we're together. I love the way we have fun. I love the way we play. Our family devotionals are not whatever Norman Rockwell would paint. It's not like we have these times. You know, we had five kids in seven years and then uh, this 14-year-old came along four years later and lost one in between, but we just had, um, it was never a perfectly suited environment to have, um, you know, everybody get what they need in that very diverse little group that was together. But one of the things that we would often do, and here was one of my plans, is we would have device, devotionals exactly like the scripture says that we should. It says in, in Deuteronomy chapter six, what? Teach them diligently when you sit in the house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. Make it a normal part of your life. So I'll just give you one little practical tip here and then I'm done. We used to play a little game just called Let Me Illustrate. 
And we would just go places, and at different times, I would just grab things, and as I taught them and discipled them, I would just say to the kids in the car, what I'm going to do is I'm going to point something out, and then somebody's got to illustrate a spiritual truth from that thing. It was great. And so I said to them one time, we're driving by um, an airport, and I go, okay, somebody give me a spiritual truth from the airport. And it's all over the map, you can imagine, depending on what the ages are. But somebody basically came up and said, well, there's lots of planes going lots of different directions, but only one will get you where you want to go. And so not all belief systems are the same. Only one works. You just can't grab whichever one you want. And so we go, good, is there a scripture that goes with that? Right, yet Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by him. I go, fantastic, way to go. That's a good one. How about this? How about the HOV lane? Somebody give me an illustration from the HOV lane. You got one? You're in my car. What are you going to say? Illustrate a spiritual truth in the HOV lane, right? And so the scripture says two are better than one because they get a good return for their gas money, right? And so, (laughs) right, somebody, we talked about Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9, okay? It says that um, if either of them falls asleep, right? No, it doesn't say that. Uh, The other one can wake him up. No, but it says if one falls the one will lift up his companion, but the one who falls asleep when they're driving and the other one's not there, woe to that man. And I just said, listen, man, two's better than one. It gets you places. So we just play this game all the time. This is fun because we were driving at the time actually to, um, with my 14-year-old who was then about a six or seven-year-old to his next closest in age sister who had gotten on one of those cheerleading teams. You guys know what I'm talking about? Those cheerleading teams that you go to that, you know, you, you, there's these, uh, massive gatherings of cheerleading teams from all across. This one, the first one we ever went to, the team she was on was at Jerry World, Texas Stadium here. And so we're driving out past the airport, past Six Flags. I said, somebody give me an illustration from Six Flags, right? And so someone goes, okay, like that roller coaster right there. If you don't, if you don't get locked in, you're gonna get thrown in every which direction. The world's gonna whip you around. If you don't, if you don't shod your feet in the gospel of peace, it's gonna, you're gonna slide and go every way. And it's not gonna go well with you. I go, great. And so on the way home, I just said, hey, somebody give me a spiritual illustration and illustrate about that thing that we just went to, this, and whatever it's called, this cheerleading thing. And my six-year-old goes, hell, hell. <laughs> and I said, amen. I knew I had made a disciple at that exact moment. Imagine a room filled with hairspray and about three seasons worth of toddlers and tiaras, a combination of Saturday Night Live and Tyler Nights. Hell is what it was. And I go, He's only six, and I'm almost done discipling him. <laughs> Don't write me. Tell your therapist, okay, if you go to one of those things. But team, let me just tell you something. Marriage and parenting is discipleship. The home is the domestic church. You cannot be a godly parent and not be a godly spouse. And you cannot have a godly marriage and not be 100% committed to discipling your kids. Don't you, especially pastors, there's a whole class of people that creates these folks who disdain the church called PKs, who grew up in a home where he said, we gotta make our church look this way to the world when the kids inside know the church isn't that thing. It's why kids who go to churches who don't actually deal with things the way God says they should deal with things leave the church whether they're sons of the pastors or not. They are Church kids that have never seen covenant love and biblical discipleship. Woe to us. Charles Manson was asked how he got these kids from upper income families to join him in his cultish, murderous, hateful state. 
And on the stand, he said, they were your children. And you turned them out. And I took them in. We better have a plan. And it involves us being present. It involves us being individuals that are absolutely humbly committed to what God called us to be, which is a parent. And to do that well, we've got to be passionately committed to our king. Amen? Father, help us to not be so busy doing your work that we fail to do the very first work that you say we need to be excellent at in order to be able to do the work that you've called us to. Thank you for these folks that are here to just study and to listen. How can they be a cross-shaped mom and dad? How can they be a cross-shaped godly spouse? And Lord, we know it's only when we depend upon that cross, not just in, in trust in the story, but we pick up the cross and we follow the God who loves us enough to die for us. And as the scripture says, any king that loves us enough to die for us, how will he not also love us enough to give us all things, including the plan to bring prosperity into the home? And so, Lord, while we're here learning, if we got work to do with our marriage, may that be job one tonight. While we're serving you, may we make sure that we serve well the members of the church that kids are born into. Forgive us that sometimes we want the accolades of the public service and fail on the private. Let us correct that. Let us have biblical marriages and parents that make disciples. In Jesus' name. Thanks for tuning in to the ERLC podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or Google Play and leave us a review. And you'll want to be sure to join us next week as we begin Trillian Newbell's series about women and the church called Better Together.